What's up, everyone? It's uh, January 23rd. This is Greg Ramble's third podcast. Sorry I had to take last week off. The world is in a crazy place and facing some serious problems right now, and I think it's beyond Republicans versus Democrats. It's really a battle of logic and compassion versus ignorance and selfishness. And there's been a hashtag trending or something on Twitter that Donald Trump said, America first. It's been trending, and I think it's a dangerous slogan, and it doesn't represent me. And I'm not going to get caught up in all the negativity that has rolled over the nation, but I'm going to present you with best perspective to make decisions about kids in this country who rely on public schools. Secondly, her record is pretty terrible. Her privatization of schools in Michigan has quantifiably put that state as at a disadvantage for years to come. Um, the the senator that was questioning her about growth versus proficiency uh, essentially asked her to choose one or the other. You know, he called it a big debate in education and then asked her what she thought. And I want to point out, as a side note, she didn't know the difference between the two. Um, but I also thought, The question itself is ridiculous. Proficiency or standards-based learning is enforced by state and national standards right now. Growth in the local sense has to do with a student's efforts and production from day to day, week to week, year to year. And that's quite subjective, you know, based off of what the teacher sees and the grade that they assign. Um, growth in the larger sense has to do with test scores over time. And the two concepts are not competing, but rather they're reinforcing each other. So it surprised me that such a stupid question was asked. And combined with the response, it kind of felt like a fictional, almost comedic movie where nobody knows what's going on. And it surprised me even more that DuVos really didn't do any homework or come in with any kind of plan when she went before the United States Congress. Second person, uh, Rex Tillerson, our new Secretary of State. This one is scary. Uh, Secretary of State is supposed to be the president's primary advisor on foreign affairs. And we know from Trump's speech the other day that America first is his stance. And if it's your job to travel around and be diplomatic like John Kerry was for the last four years um, or eight years or however long he's been doing it, imagine walking into a country or a room full of leaders And in your head, you're saying, me first, me first, me first. You know, first of all, how well is that going to go over? 
And then what kind of good is it going to do for all the other people involved that are trying to work something out? Secondly, this guy's an ex-CEO of one of the biggest oil companies in the world. And you know what? I'll come back to that. Let's get to the president, first orange president. You know, we already know all about the crazy stuff he said. He's not the greatest guy. He's rich. He's narcissistic. He's hands-on with the ladies. You know, we knew that before he was elected, but let me tell you my stance. I'm an artist and a teacher, and both of my professions support collaboration and creativity, positive interactions. You know, I, I don't participate in music that's derogatory towards women. I try and be as inclusive as possible. And I try to create work for other musicians. And in my short amount of time in Marin, I feel like I've been a part of a community that does good things and promotes good community. Teaching, too, my students have really turned into good human beings. And I see that because I don't see the bullying and hazing that I experienced in high school because my kids are better than that and they're supportive and they're great. And I don't make a killing doing what I'm doing, but I'm not hurting anybody. And there's very little about good art and education when it's done right that hurts anybody. And I can sleep at night knowing that my existence has been good for the world in, in some small way. So Trump has already cut the national endowments for the arts and has appointed Duvas as the education secretary. And for me, I feel like all the work that I've been doing in my small way has been canceled out in one pen swipe. And I'm not giving up, but I'm starting to sense some sinister intentions and a lot of greed. And the implication of Trump's psyche and mental space are far-reaching beyond just this country. So... Trump wants to restructure NATO by making other countries pay into it more, which seems like a good idea, right? If you're from America and you want to save some money, hey, let's make these other guys pay a little more, huh? No. So right after World War I, we created a huge industry in this country, which, uh, you know, we started to see the production of and sale of weapons, aircraft, ships, defense-related agencies, all the way down to military-issue sunglasses now. And in some ways, it helped the country. You know, the economy grew. It supported the population of California, where I live. However, it also led to America's inflated sense of power, importance, entitlement, all that stuff. And we used to get along relatively with other countries. So 
making other countries pay for NATO seems like a good idea from the perspective of people who prioritize the military-industrial complex. But keep in mind, we spend more on our military than the next 25 leading countries combined. Uh, you know, it would seem natural to want other countries or our friends to be more like us, but they aren't and they shouldn't have to be. You know, all you really need to do is buy a ticket to Germany or the Netherlands or Canada, really any other peaceful country, and go walk into a city or a town and just look around. You know, they, they prioritize the arts. The government pays for it. You know, if, if you look at Germany, there's the WDR Big Band. There's the NDR Big Band. It's, this is big band jazz that's paid for by the German government, and they put it on TV. You know, they, they kind of make it prominent <clears throat> in the culture. And, you know, the people feel like they can express themselves and not have to worry about health care because there's free coverage. Go to the Netherlands in the summer and walk through the center of a town. You know, the whole city is outside talking, eating, throwing frisbees, playing with their dogs, going to concerts. People are pretty happy. Now, go walk around downtown L.A. at the same time, and nobody's there. You know, they're, they're inside with their air-conditioned condos and watching reality TV, shopping online, complaining about something. These other countries, they have us beat in happiness. And life is too short to care about ensuring our military might for the next thousand years. And if anything, we're, we're putting more of a target on our backs by contributing to this behavior. You know, no one's going to invade... Switzerland because they disapprove of their way of life. You know, their military spending is low. They don't need it. So my final comment about this whole thing circles back to Rex Tillerson. You can't hire a guy like that and expect anything positive to come from it. And I hope I'm wrong, but... I've known too many types of people and observed the same thing from people like him every time. His priority is money. You know, he's worth like $150 million according to Forbes, and you know that his net worth is much, much more than that. So let me lay it out the way I see it. You know, carbon dating has proven that the carbon in the atmosphere comes from really old plants or fossil fuels. And we know that the carbon in the atmosphere is contributing to a phenomenon known as global warming, which are facts, you know. Now, here's, here's where something like that defines who you are. You know, say I'm a restaurant owner, and the Department of Public Health came to me and said, Greg, six people have died in this town every week for the past year since you've been open. Would that be enough for me to stop everything, even if I meant that I'd you know, lose a bunch of money and my employees would lose a bunch of money? I don't know. I would need more information. 
So say the department came back to me and said, Greg, six people have died every week since you opened, and the only thing that links them together is the eggs that you put in your dessert. Would I stop? Absolutely. Yes, I would. There's no question about it. I can't be a part of something that I know is directly linked to people getting hurt or dying. Now, some people might keep going. In this case, Rex Tillerson is keeping the restaurant open. Even when people are dead, the public department of health is camped out at the front door and the community is open competing restaurants that don't use eggs at all in their desserts. So say that I can make the same dessert without any eggs or perhaps a substitute for eggs that is a little more expensive for me at first, but I still want to make money, employ people in the community. Yes, I'll invest in an alternative egg substitute. Rex Tillerson is going to keep using the old eggs because they make more money. So my point here is you can go for the money, but it'll eat away at your soul. And we know that people are dying because of rising water levels, cold winters, hot summers. And even though the scientific data shows that responsible carbon in the atmosphere comes from fossil fuels, they just keep drilling it up and keep selling it to people. So this guy has essentially kept the restaurant open for too long and has no soul left. And now he's responsible for advising the president on his interaction with other restaurant owners who have already gotten rid of their bad eggs. So America first, huh? Sorry if that seemed overly political. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat, but I know a bad person when I see one. Am I getting too dark here? I think maybe I should switch gears for a second. Maybe I'll tell a slightly funny story and then this will be a short podcast. So I'm noticing a lot of my stories come from this one particular Safeway grocery store and <clears throat> there's something about this store and in this case I think it's probably the portal to another dimension or a wormhole in time or something and um, so I was getting dinner at this Safeway, which, let's be clear, I was not buying ingredients to cook a dinner. I was buying dinner, a frozen dinner. And there's really nothing more <clears throat> depressing than a frozen dinner. You know, you know what kind of experience you're going to have going into it. And I can't imagine any adventurous soul, you know, the people who give out the Michelin stars, wandering to the grocery store and searching for frozen food in that section, you know, searching it for a fine dining experience. What I'm trying to say is uh, frozen dinners have a function. You know, they're, frozen dinners are a little bit like smooth jazz. You know what you're in for. You know you're going to feel kind of funny afterwards, and you know you're not going to pay that much to search for it or seek it out. Anyway, so, okay, so I went to Safeway. I got my frozen dinner, 
my pedestrian meal of the day. And I went to check out, and I noticed that there's this massive rack of discount tequila right next to the self-checkout section. So, well, that's the other similarity between Frozen Dinners and Smooth Jazz albums. It's you got to be sneaky about buying them because you don't want people to know <laughs> that you have them. You know they're judging you, and you can judge them too, but, you know, they... They probably have a few Kenny G albums stashed away for the holidays, and you know, they're getting their frozen mac and cheese too. So, who are they to judge? Anyway, so there's this massive tequila sale, which is five dollars per bottle. And I don't really drink, especially not with a frozen dinner, but there's this one guy who's just grabbing one bottle after another and putting him into his cart and just filling his cart with $5 tequila. So this is the beginning of the story, by the way. It hasn't even started yet. So I'm in line to check out, but I'm really just checking out this guy because I can't imagine what he's going to do with all this booze. So he turns to me and smiles and says, I looked a lot like you when I was your age. And I didn't really know what to say, so I was like, oh, yeah? Sorry, uh, that's, that's cool. So he looks up again with the bottle in each, hands, each hand, and he asks me, you know the difference between a dog and a fox? I don't. He says, three cocktails. So that's the story, but I can't leave it at that. I need to find deeper meaning because the Safeway has become kind of a sacred place or something like that, so... What is it about this place that just brings out crazy people, keeps fueling my podcast? So I can only think of two main things to take from this, and both of them seem logical enough. And the first solution is that, one, this man was a master deductionist. You know, he noticed that I was in the self-checkout with the frozen dinner, and he felt sorry for me. And... He knew that what he was doing could be seen as funny, and he decided to troll me by telling me that he looked a lot like me when he was younger. Thus, he graced me with a humorous situation, brightening my day, and helping me forget that I was all alone on a Friday night, eating by myself and watching Netflix. Um, the second solution, which I think is more logical is that he was the future version of myself and his life had spiraled out of control he'd become a massive alcoholic fueled by tequila and bargain doritos and he'd gained a lot of weight and was not able to buy cool clothes at zara anymore anyway he he recognized that the past version of himself was standing there with the frozen dinner and also recognizing that it was the loneliness and depression and too many nights of frozen dinners that led him to the downward spiral. Uh, you know, so he didn't want to poke a hole in the space-time continuum. Uh, so rather than telling me that he was me, he told me that he looked a lot like me when he was my age, which is different. Um, so maintaining 
his curiosity from his younger years, he knew that this would kind of pique his younger version's curiosity. Now, understanding that he had my attention because he was me, he decided to ask me a question that I've wondered my whole life. And, you know, what's the difference between a dog and a fox? And you have to admit the two are similar. They act the same, and I'm pretty sure they both come from wolves, and the only real difference is the color and the tail, and I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but, uh, you know, one of them has a really rough life. They're chased away from the chickens and chased away by the farmers and hunted and shot and looked down upon, and the other creature has a great life, you know, lounges around all day, and Everyone wants to pet them and be around them. And in this case, he was telling me that this was the point where I would become a fox and start my downward slide. Three cocktails and one frozen dinner in. So he was warning me. Anyway, it's one of those two things. And either way, I have to thank him for brightening my day. So grocery store, tequila man, or future me, you are my person of the week. I'm going to end my podcast here with all this crazy stuff that is happening. And I want to encourage everyone to be smart, be yourself, don't let bad things happen on your watch. You know, it's, it's really time to start being the change that you wish to see even if you know that it won't happen on a national level, you can still create a community around you. So I'll see everyone next week. See you later. Mm-hmm.